Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Pastor Derek Dunn, lead pastor of Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more about Alive Church or Pastor Derek, please visit alivechurchoc.org or derekdunn.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform at Alive Church OC or Derek Dunn OC. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to get right into the Word uh, this morning. We're kind of mixing things up a little bit uh, differently, but it's good because we can get kind of caught in a form and uh, just going through the motions. But uh, we want to really bring um, expectation. The uh, Bible says all things should be done in decency and order, but you know, giving room for the Holy Spirit to move, giving room for uh, God, whatever He wants to do, uh, let Him do it. You know, some churches, we come to a place and you know, we can have such an order in our structure there that there's no room for God to do anything. And uh, we believe in order, but come on, order and structure, it doesn't bring the presence of God necessarily, amen? Just because we sing two fast songs and one slow song doesn't mean God shows up. Uh, we need to do it, and it needs to be heartfelt. And so, you know, sometimes we just feel God wants to touch people. So let's pray and allow the Holy Spirit to minister. And that's what people are going to uh, leave and, and take away with them uh, as they encounter God, amen? Uh, but the t- title of my message today is Revival or Nothing. Yeah. Someone say Revival or Nothing. I even got the t-shirt, all right? So I was in Melbourne, and I saw this term, revival or nothing, and it just uh, really resonated in my spirit. Because what are we really after? What is really revival? It's the presence of God. Revival is the vive. Come on, I like that word, vive, the vibe. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. What is it about? It's about us encountering a living God. Christianity is not about religion and just going through the motions and thank God for the sacraments, thank God for uh, the word and all those things. But you can be doing and going through the motions and not have the right heart and you miss out on the presence of God. The scribes and the Pharisees, they knew the word of God. They could quote the Torah from memory. Uh, They kept all of the law. But Jesus looked at them and said, you're whitewashed tunes. You're white on the outside. You got it all together on the outside. Come on, your hair's in place. You got everything looking, white linens on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. And that's not what Christianity is about. It's a relationship with a living God. And so God wants us to be alive. Jesus said, I didn't just come to give you life. I came to give you the abundant life in every area of our life. And so really that's what we want, revival or nothing. Revival is not for the world. Revival is the church. Sometimes we're praying, God, revival, come and touch the world. No, revival revives the Christian and the Christian touches the world. In the upper room, the early church, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was upon them. And what happened? They went out and preached the gospel. They went out and and cast out devils. They went out and and they moved in healing and they moved in the gifts of the Spirit. And they went out with joy. People looked at them and said, you look so happy. You must be drunk. But you know, that's a counterfeit. Amen. You, You seem happy for a moment and you wake up with a hangover feeling terrible. Oh, got real quiet here. You remember the BC days before Christ. Come on. But come on, we can have the most high. We can have life. And, and people look at us because there's a freedom that's there. The world tries to give us a false freedom to remove our inhibitions, but it gets us in trouble. But God says, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Are you free this morning? Come on, give him a clap offering. We thank him for that. And so really what is revival? Revival is us encountering the living God, moving in the present truth of what God is saying, moving in what God is wanting to do, and allow Him to be God. And so that's very important. And so in doing that, what do we need to do? We need to keep the fire of God alive, the vibe alive in our life. Amen? And so I want to talk about fire a little bit, because what does fire do? It does two things. First of all, fire burns. 
The second thing fire does is it purifies. And the Bible says our God is an all-consuming fire. So what does he want to do? He's wanting to purify our lives. He's wanting to burn out the impurities. And we don't have to worry about that so much because all you do need to do is pray the prayer, God, I want to be more like you. God, I want more of you. And God's like, okay. And the fire starts coming. <laughs> because no flesh can glory in his presence. God wants to work in our life. You know, if we have the fullness of the Holy Spirit and you have the fruit of the Spirit, it'll solve those problems. You don't have a marriage problem, you have a fruit of the Spirit problem. You don't have a business problem, you have a fruit of the Spirit problem. You don't have a, a, a parenting problem or a problem with your parents as a child, you got a fruit of the Spirit problem. Because we all walk in love and joy and peace and, and, and we're not, we have patience. Come on, which is long-suffering, it actually means. We don't like that word, so patience sounds better. But what does it mean to suffer long and not get irritated? Come on. Lord, we say, give us patience and give it to me now. <laughs> and so it's a process that we go, but, but gentleness, goodness, self-control. The Bible says against these things, there's no law. You will fulfill all. You're not going to break any law if you walk in those things. But how many know that it doesn't come easy? Come on, tell your neighbor. You know what he's talking about. Because we tend to lose our temper. We tend to get irritated. We tend to be impatient. We tend, but as God's in our life, I've seen, you know, grown men, we come into men's meeting and we say, hello, you know, we're all acting tool and trying to, our egos wearing on our head. But after the presence of God, everyone's like, I love you, man. You're my brother. You know, and, and, and God just removes all those inhibitions. And so we need to be in the presence of God. We need to allow God to burn. But also, fire doesn't just burn in our lives. Fire ignites other things. And so we can talk about evangelism, we can talk about church growth, we can come up with all our programs, and that's not going to bring, that's not going to bring reformation in our, in our generation. That's not going to change the world. It's fire. People want to see fire in us. They look at us and like, you've got some fire. Gwen, Gwen's got red hair. Not today, but yeah, sometimes red hair. And you see her, it's like, it's not just your fire in your hair, but it's your fire in your belly. People look at you, there's something about you. I don't know what it is. I just want to get to know you more. I want to take you for coffee. I want to, I want, there's something that's attractive in our life. It's the fire of God. And that fire ignites other people. Fire, it burns and fire ignites. But if we don't spread the fire, the fire will eventually burn out in our lives. You know, I was a kid. I liked to play with fires and I wasn't a pyro out there, but close. Come on. And I loved to, you know, take matches and we would light fireworks. And one time a firecracker blew up in my hand. And then my mom prayed for it, and, and, and God supernaturally healed my hand, and, and it went down, and, you know, it was, it was, it was terrible. But I love to play, and we'd take matches, and we'd throw matches, and then we'd stomp them out. Oh, don't look at me. Some of you did the same thing. Anyone else that can relate, you know? And one time, we were throwing it out, and my friend hit me, and I hit him back, and guess what? The wind blew, and that match lit a whole fire next door to my house. And we tried to stomp, and guess what? We got scared. We ran to the house, and we were behind the curtains looking out, and that whole field burned down. The fire department come, came. You know, they put out the fire. There was smoke everywhere, and we're inside. We're like, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And the fire guy, he went and picked up, and he picked up the matches. And guess what? There were matches that my parents knew we had in our house. Someone said busted. Come on. And, uh, you know, I went and put on 10 pairs of underwear because I knew I was in trouble. (laughs) 
But what, what fire, when the wind gets fire, whatever, the fire begins to spread. And that's a negative connotation. But, but we need to be, though, that fire is spreading. It's spreading to our family. As one is saved, the whole household is saved. It's spreading to our schools. It's spreading into our businesses. Come on, it's going down to Laguna Beach, Laguna Niguel, Irvine. And there's a fire that spreads through our lives. So we need to, to allow God's fire to burn in our life. Because what happens when God brings the fire, what is he doing? He's purifying us so that we can carry the glory of God. I don't know about you, but I want more fire. Amen? The Bible tells us in the book of Revelations chapter 2, when we put it up for you, it says this. Jesus is speaking here to the churches. And he says here, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. All those are good things. Come on, they labored in his name, they persevered, they worked hard, they've done good deeds, they know false leaders from true leaders, they know the word of God, amen? They, 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 they're walking and enduring hardships. But what does it say here? In verse 4 it says, yet I hold this against you. So we can be doing all the nice religious things. Come on, we can be clocking our connect group attendance. We're in church. We're serving in a ministry. We're going through life. We're doing the, the right things. The Bible talks about in the last days, Paul told Timothy, they'll come, uh, the church will have a form of godliness, but there's no power, there's no fire. And that's what we see in most of the church. We go through our religious rituals, but we have no impact on society. And so what did Jesus say? Those things are great, but I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And he says, if you don't repent, I'll come to you and I'll remove your lampstand from its place. This is not a word of condemnation. It's a word of invitation. Guys, you're doing the good things, but you've become religious. You've lost your fire. You've lost the heart in the things that you do. And if you're not careful, you'll lose your lampstand too. And we know what the lampstand is. The Bible says that the spirit of man is the lampstand. The spirit of man is a light. So what's it saying? It's talking about you can go to the place where you lose your salvation. Doesn't Jesus say, and Matthew, he says, he'll come back and he'll see those that say, Lord, Lord, we prophesy in your name. We cast out devils in your name. We did all these things. But he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Or one translation said lawless. You live life where I wasn't first. But there's an invitation to come back. Because if we're not careful, we can lose our first love. We can lose the motivation for what we're doing. It's amazing. People can come and be in a church. And, and what, they move from the second row to the third row to the fourth row. And then on the back row. And then they're gone. I had someone, you know, and they stopped attending church for about three months. And they wrote us an email and said, well, I just wanted to let you know I'm leaving church. And I was like, you already left three months ago. Their heart had departed. But what happened? Because they lost the fire. Because they allowed other things to come in. They'll never say, well, I don't love God. You know, we were, I was watching a meme on, the, on the Instagram, a reel that came up. And this girl was saying, well, I'm a Christian. And the guy's like, well, do you believe the Bible? No, I don't believe the Bible. But you're a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian. But I don't believe the Bible. We we're so deceived where we like the idea of God. But we don't want to follow God's word. 
Come on. That's like saying I love, you love your parents, but you don't want to follow the rules. Come on. You don't want to keep your curfew. You don't want to do your laundry. You don't want to do your thing. But I love you. Oh, I love you so much, Mom. If you love, you're going to what? You're going to do the works of love. Come on. That's why the Bible says we're, we're saved by grace, but faith without works is dead. You can't say you love God and you don't want to keep his commandments. Jesus said if you do that, the love of God's not in you. You can't say you love your wife and you commit adultery. Or you love your husband and you commit adultery. Why? Because when you, I only have eyes for you because you make a choice. Not that you don't notice a beautiful woman or a beautiful man, but you look once and that's it. Come on. Because come on, I'm invested. I look at my wife and look at that diamond. I'm invested. Come on. Are you here? But it doesn't mean because you, because you choose to love and you choose to love the one you've chosen. Are you here? That was for somebody this morning. I didn't say that in the first service. All right. So we've got to look at, at keeping our first love there. The Bible talks about guarding our heart with all diligence because why the influence of the world can come. The influence, there's everybody is on a platform now. You go on Instagram, you go on Facebook, come on. Everybody thinks they're an expert. They're all trying to come up and be wise. They're all trying to say something. And we're, we have this overload of information where now there's confusion. I mean, we don't even know what a, who a man is and a woman is. You watch, you know, I watched the documentary, Who's a Woman? And you look, and educated, PhD, what's a woman? They can't tell you. Don't get quiet on me. Come on. It's confusion. And, I, and we have compassion on those who are confused. But who determines what a woman is and what a man is? The creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God created a man, and God created a woman. So if you want to know the purpose of creation, you got to talk to the creator. Come on, we all come up with our crazy ideas. We all come, and there's confusion, and we don't know what's what. And, and the world is filled with confusion, and there's, everybody's trying to have an opinion. Everybody's trying to be an expert, and we don't want to offend anybody. If they have their opinion, they have their opinion. But there's some things that just aren't true. We have sincere people, but they're sincerely wrong. Are you here? Well, I don't believe in heaven or hell. Well, you're going to find out one day. And, and we don't want that to happen. But come on, we don't just accept, well, people don't believe there's a heaven or hell. No, the Bible said we're going to die one day and we're going to be judged by God. If you have Jesus, you're going to be in heaven. If you don't, you're going to have to go to the place that was created for, for the devil. God never wanted that. He desires all men would be saved. But there are certain absolutes there. You can think that you're Superman, but if you jump off a building, there's called the law of gravity and you're going to hit the ground. No matter what you think, no matter how many Marvels shows you watched or DC you watch about superheroes, the law of gravity supersedes your imagination. Some of you are still looking. Say amen. Come on. Don't try it. Don't try this at home. Just, just visualize it. Amen. We don't want you to get hurt. And so we can go to the point where we're not guarding our heart. We're allowing the influence to come in. We're, what? we're not... Our fire has gone out because we're looking to the wrong things to satisfy us. The fire is what keeps us alive in God. The fire is what draws people to God. And the world seems to be on fire, but they have a false fire. The world's wanting revolution. They're wanting change. They're wanting things to to, to change. But only God can bring change. Only God can change the heart. And Jesus says to begin to return to him. Do the first things first. 
one of the verses in the Bible says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. What's the key to keeping your fire? Remember that you're saved. Never take for granted. Yeah, we all have battles. We're, we're fighting. We need more money. We need prosperity in our life. We're, we're believing God for family to be saved, all these things. But don't get caught up in the, in the race and forget why you're running the race. Come on, even if God did nothing else for us, come on, he's done everything. He gave it all for us. Come on, you believe that? Give the Lord a shout. Amen. We need to understand an important principle here is that your fire is your responsibility. It's not your connect group leader's responsibility to keep the fire in your life. It's not Pastor Derek or Pastor Susan as the pastors or some preacher you watch. Come on, give me a fire. Let's have a fire conference and light my fire. Because if you don't have oil in your lamp, the fire won't burn. It's our responsibility to keep the fire. You have to decide to burn for Jesus yourself. Nobody can do that. If they try to do that to you or I try to get you to do what I do to keep my fire burning, it becomes legalism. And it might not work for you. Come on. We try to copy the methods. We try to copy what other people are doing. That's what religion does. But it's empty. It's just dead works. Come on. You can be trying to buy your wife flour and wine her and dine her and, and do it. But if your heart's not in it, it ain't going to work. She can take those flowers and hit you over the head because she can tell. Are you here? You know? Well, I'm just trying to make my wife happy. Happy wife, happy life. That's not what your wife wants. Come on, she don't even know what she wants sometimes. For example, what do you want for dinner, babe? I don't care. What do you want? Let's go for Mexican. Oh, no, no, no. There's too much carbs. Italian. I said too much carbs. Let's go get a steak then. Oh, I don't want to eat meat. You always eat meat. What about Mediterranean. Okay, let's do that. Great. It was her. She knew what she wanted. Come on. And I can give examples on the men too. Sometimes we don't know what we want. You know? But, but we've, got to, we've got to come to the place where we're walking in the order of what God has, have, has, has determined for us. We're, what, we're, we're keeping our fire burning. We're keeping things in order. We're doing what's right. What does a woman really want? A godly man who leads and hears from the Lord. That can be a guide, that can be a guard, that can, there's protection and there's safety there. Are you here? I heard a story about a pastor and there was one of his church members that had stopped attending for almost a month. And it was in the winter and he went to visit the man and knocked on the door and the man opened the door and the pastor was there and he went back and sat by the fire. He thought, here it goes, he's going to scold me for not being in church for a month. And the pastor sat down and did nothing and they just were looking at the embers and the the coals that were in the fire and after a few minutes the pastor took the tong and he took one of the coals out of the hearth and just put it there out of the fire and put it on the hearth there and within about 30 seconds the fire began to burn out he just looked at the other man and the man looked at him and said i'll be in church on sunday Sometimes we've got to, to, to be around other people of fire. Sometimes when we're feeling, maybe the passion is waning, we're, we, we need some encouragement. We encourage one another. That's what the Bible says, to be each other's, you know, safety net. 
To be your brother's keeper is the word that it says biblically. Well, watch, we're looking out. Come on, fan the flame on each other so we can fan the flame on each other to come on, keep on lowing, keep, keep, keep serving God, keep believing God. Don't stop believing. Keep worshiping, keep praying, keep giving. And come on, as we're running that marathon, we're, we're encouraging each other to keep going. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a shout. But ultimately, we've got the responsibility. Thank God for the safety nets of the community of God. But we have to take responsibility to keep the fire burning. How do we do that? Two ways that we do it. Number one, you have to trim your wick. You have to trim your wick. And if you're familiar with a candle, you can have a candle. Have you ever seen the candle burn down and you've got this long wick and the candle's no longer burning? And what happens if the wick is just on fire, it just has black smoke? The scented candle, you don't smell nothing. And so what do you got to do? You got to trim the wick so what? It begins to take hold of the wax. It begins to take hold of the oil. And as we look at the example of the, of the temple, they had the, 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 the uh, uh, lampstand that was there, the golden lampstand. And then you can see what the wick is there. If the wick is long, the wick will just begin to burn. And it's a dirty smoke. It doesn't smell good. And so what does the wick speak to us of? It speaks of our pride. It speaks of our ego sometimes. We're trying to raise ourselves up above. And what happens? Rather than being soaked in oil, we're trying to promote ourselves with the arm of the flesh. We're trying to burn and look at me, I'm excited. And it can come across as, as you know, a lot of things we call anointing, we call oil now. It's what? Being positive. But that's not anointing. It's being excited. Come on, how many know there's a lot of excited people in the world? They ain't anointed. You go to a baseball game, it's exciting, you know, because they're on their fifth beer. Come on. People get crazy. They get wild. They get, there's a lot of noise, but that doesn't mean there's presence. That doesn't mean we're in the oil. Sometimes it can just be the flesh. And so, yes, God wants to light us, but we need to be soaked in oil. And sometimes we need to go and we need to, 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 to trim our wick because what are we doing? We might be burning, but it's all our human effort. Come on, when there's oil, what happens? The oil just begins to burn. The the wick saturated in the oil. It's not consumed. It's not destroyed. So we've got to trim our wick sometimes. If you want fire, sometimes there's things you have to give up in your life. I know there were times in my life that was certain music I couldn't listen to. There's certain people I couldn't be around because God was requiring a greater devotion for me. And it's not about legalism. If you just try to follow me, that's where legalism comes in. It's about love. That we, we begin to pursue God above other things. In, in, in Revelations we read, what does God say? Go back and put the first things first. What is he saying? He said in Matthew, seek first. Someone say First. The kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. There's nothing wrong with the world. People, you know, we live in beautiful place. I came back from Ohio. I mean, I say, God, thank you. I'm not called to Ohio. <laughs> Pastor Les, Pastor Sheila are watching. We love you, but I'm not called to Ohio. It's 88 degrees and 95% humidity. I mean, you walk out, it's all that humidity. You, you just walk to your car, you're sweating already. And when there's humidity, they have big bugs. We're checking in the hotel, and they have all these swarming beetles flying around. And I went in, and I told the lady, oh, it's, you know, nice tonight. It was 85, <laughs> but a little bit cooler. She said, oh, the beetles are terrible. And I said, well, what do you mean the beetles? She's like, there's flying beetles. They get in your hair. They get all over. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. We live in dry California. Amen. 
But, but what am I saying? You, you can look at different places, but we, we need to take, uh, not take for granted what God has given to us. And there's certain things that sometimes we need to pull out of our life and be thankful for. There's adjustments we need to make in life. All things are lawful, Paul says, but all things are not beneficial. And we can be filling our life with all the things that are not necessarily sin, but are they really helping us? <coughs> Netflix. Uh. Come on. You can overexercise. You can. My, my dad taught me a very pr- important principle in, in Latin. It says, Dominos vobiscum ecum spiritu tua. And what does it say? Balance in all things and led by, being led by the Spirit. Okay? What does it say? Having balance. Because you can, you can overexercise. There's some people, they worship the gym. Come on, every selfies. They're at the gym. They spend more time looking in the mirror than they do on the machine. And what are they doing? They're worshiping the idol of my flesh. Nothing wrong with being healthy. Get to the gym. Some of us, we should be in the gym. It can help us. Amen. <laughs> Me included. It's good for, but are you over, you can overly do it where what? You become so focused on your physique. Are you here? You know, every wrinkle comes, you're back at the doctor. I'm not even going to go there. But, but guess what? We can age gracefully. Nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. I'm not against those things, but what? We get people, you know, people are just obsessed with the flesh and themselves. Are you here? We can't even post a photo because there's an imperfection that's there. But guess what? We're all imperfect. Somebody's ear is a little bit shorter than the other one. Somebody's, don't start looking now, but come on. We're we're imperfect. Our flesh is imperfect. Are you here? This body's going to, be corrupted one day and it's appointed everyone to die. Now I'm saying take care of your temple, but don't worship your temple. Worship God who is in the temple. Come on, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes us beautiful. But you can, you can, be, you can overeat. Nothing wrong with food. I love food. Any other foodies out there? Come on. But don't overindulge. You know, it's 11 o'clock at night and you're dreaming of Baskin Robbins. Rushing there to get your brownie, hot fudge Sunday, and then you go home and you regret it the whole night. We were on the road and, you know, the meeting ended late and we were going to go home and Susan was tired and she's like, let's just get a pizza and go back to the hotel. And I only had two pieces. I was good. But that pizza was here the whole night. I was like, oh my word, why did I do that? You know, having moderation, you're not going to die. I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. Come on, you had three meals today. You ain't that hungry. Say amen or oh me. Amen. We can look fashion. You know, we can, we can overdo it. We can focus on the church and excellence. I, I love, we want to have excellence because of who God is and do our best. But there's no, excellence is not perfection. We're always trying to keep up with the latest thing and spending, to, to try to look. You know, thank God for our lights and our screens and all the stuff and our technology that we can be broadcasting to the world right now. But that's not what it's all about if there's no presence. We need to focus on the right thing. Can you say amen? We've got to deal with our wick. We've got to cut our wick. Number two, you have to fill the oil. If you want oil, it's our job to fill the oil. No one can fill the oil for you. What what, what oil causes us to burn? There's three different types of oil we see in the world. The first one is called fossil fuel. 
How many know fossil fuel? There's a big debate going on right now, you know, between the Republicans who want to release, we've got so much fossil fuel and gas prices, you know, go down. And then we've got, you know, the, the more liberals who are concerned about the environment and why, what's the issue? Fossil fuel doesn't burn clean because fossil is taken from dead things. That's why it's called fossil fuel. They go in the ground, they take dead things and they begin to burn them. What does that speak to us of? It speaks of you operating in your flesh. And you can burn. You can do a lot of things with the arm of the flesh. And we can get into a place of performance, which I mentioned earlier. It's about the lights and the, you know, thing and the person who sings and how beautiful they look and, you know, all of that kind of thing. And we're going for the outward and we're burning strange fire. But it's not a sweet smelling aroma. Come on. It's like fossil fuel. It's dead things. It's done in the arm of the flesh. And that will wear you out. People talk about burning out. Oh, I'm burnt out. Why? Because they're doing it in the flesh. You can be doing good things, but you're doing it in the arm of the flesh. And you can still have some fire, but it's not the fire that God wants to have. The source is the flesh versus the oil of God. Second kind of oil. You learning something today? This is called lard oil. You know what lard is? It's fat. <laughs> All right? And fat is not bad. Come on. It's good to have some fats. Say amen. amen. You got them anyway. Amen? <laughs> but what's the purpose of fat? It's reserves. So when you have an energy deficit, your body can burn fat for fuel. Right. Are you here? Yeah. That's what it's created for. But what happens? We take lard, we take that, and they begin to put it into a fuel. And you can begin to burn lard and you begin to burn the excesses and you can burn that for, for oil. That it can be a fuel that we use. And you know, many third world countries, they use that because it's cheaper. But it doesn't burn pure. What does this speak to us of? This is where we begin to look to God just for his benefits rather than seeking God as a person in relationship with God himself. And what are we doing? We look in our Christianity is based on the blessing. The level of blessing determines our level of fire. You know, we were in uh, Columbus, and we were there, and in one of the meetings, you know, there was an offering, and, and Susan and I, we, we sowed, and, and God challenged us to give, and we gave. And I was sitting there, and right then my phone beeped up, and I looked at my phone, it was from American Airlines, and we got upgraded the whole way back. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. You only get happy. I'll take your upgrades. You don't want them? Praise the Lord. Amen. And, uh, you know, after a long week, that was a blessing, and we really felt God was encouraging us. But guess what? In that time, we had a little bit of a praise party. Come on. We get to be in first class and didn't have to pay for it. But is our praise only determined by when we get blessed? Do we only praise God and have fire and excitement and passion when we're on the top of the mountain? Or do we praise him the same way when we're in the valley? I mean, look at Daniel. He kept worshiping God. He kept having his quiet time with God, even when it was illegal, even when he was thrown in the, in the lion's den. They're going to put him in the fiery furnace. And he still said, I'm not going to deny God whether he saves or he doesn't. He's able to save, but I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to praise him whether he saves me or not. And that's what we, we need to have. Not just be looking and having excitement, having passion during the good times. Because how many know we're going to have some valley experiences? Come on. 
You're either coming out of a valley or you're probably getting ready to go into one. Because that's the Christian life. We don't live on the mountaintop all the time. Because how many know the mountaintop is great? It gives you vision for the future. You get excited. You get refueled. But guess what? To get to the next mountaintop, you've got to go down the valley, around the van, you know, go through the desert and get where you're going. But the Bible says, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil because God is with us. And it doesn't matter. We just keep walking. We keep praising God in the midst of the furnace, in the midst of the lion's den, in the midst of the difficulties. Because we know God is faithful. Whether we abase or we bound, Paul said, in all things I give thanks. And that's spirituality. Our joy level is not determined by how much money we got in the bank. By how our spouse te- treats us or, or how, you know, the attention we get or, or what, what we got promoted in work or not. Yeah. It's not based on those things. We're not burning. Our fire isn't burning from the lard oil, from the excesses. But what are we doing? We're wanting just God's presence. The Bible says in Hebrews we must believe that God is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We forget the first part and we just want to diligently seek him for the reward. But we must, what does it say? But no, God is. That's what's important. Don't worry about blessing. Blessing will come. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. All things will be added to you, but don't, well, I better do this so I get all things. Then our focus is on the things. Come on. Our focus must be on Jesus. And the rest, we thank God. When it comes, it comes. When it doesn't come, it doesn't matter. Because our treasure is in heaven. Our treasure is in the true riches, which is in his presence and knowing the person of God. Amen. Our reward isn't in a building. Our reward isn't in a blessing. Our reward is the fact that we have a relationship with our Father, with Jesus, and we have the Holy Spirit in us. Amen? As we begin to do that, what happens? We live from His presence, and we will burn the right fuel, which is the third type of fuel, which is olive oil. Olive oil, we talked about that last week. Pastor Wayne talked a little bit and I prepared this message. I said, don't talk all about the olives because I'm talking about that next week. You know, but he didn't get into this part. So I'm going to give you a little bit more. The lampstands, they weren't filled with lard oil. They weren't filled with fossil fuel. They were filled with olive oil. Fossil fuel was dead. Again, it's dead things. Fat is from excesses. But olive oil is from fruit. Someone say fruit. In order to have fruit, the soil has to be right. That speaks of our heart. The environment has to be right. We create the right environment through our praise, through our worship, through being around God's people, through how we live our life. And then what happens? It goes through the press. And we talked about the press last week. Well, what when the fruit is there, what is it? The press is there and the pressures of life come. And what does it do? It takes the oil and causes the oil to come out of that olive. So that it can burn. Come on, how many have been going through some presses? Amen. Well, come on, don't live there. Let the oil come out. Sometimes we're always in the You know, a brother, you know, Pastor Wayne was talking. He was in a, in a press for six to eight months. Some of us, it's been eight years. Stop holding back and let God press it out of you. Come on. Let the oil flow. And you'll get out of the press quickly. And the fire will burn. But what happens? We're trying to hold on to our oil. No. That's a whole nother sermon. Let the oil flow. Tell your neighbor, let the oil flow. He takes the fruit of our last season and he presses it so that oil will come out. 
When you're being pressed, it doesn't look fruitful. When we're being pressed, the outward is not always seen. But guess what? When God's pressing us, what is he doing? It's not just for our lives, but it's for the generations to come. Come on, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what? Oil flows out of us. And guess what? It will flow into our children, into our children's children, our children's children's children. That's what God's wanting to do, that we would keep the oil flowing. It's a generational blessing. But we've got to yield ourselves to the process. If, if the oil is there, we've got to fan the flame to keep the fire of God alive in our lives. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, Paul told Timothy, he said this, For this reason I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God which has come in you through the laying on of hands. Thank God for people that prayed for us today. Sometimes we receive an impartation. Sometimes, God, I've had men of God pray for me, and I flew through the air and shook under the power of God. But guess what? If I don't fan the flame, how many of you realize faith leaks? You can come to church on Sunday, and hallelujah, you want to take the world for Jesus, and you wake up on Monday, and you say, oh, God, help me. Because faith leaks. We've got to fan the flame. We've got to constantly be in the presence of God. There was manna that fell from heaven every day. We've got to drink every day. We've got to eat every day. You could be, I'm so full, I'm not going to eat for a week. And you wake up the next morning, where's breakfast? Are you here? And so we need to come to that place with an encounter of God. We've got to fan the flame of what's been given to us. But where did that anointing come from? Where did that oil come from? Paul goes on in verse 4 of 2 Timothy 1. He says, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that it may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded it now lives in you also. It's about sustaining what was passed down from the last generations. What do we want to do? We want to pass the oil down. We want to learn how to cultivate the oil in our life, to fan the flame in our life. And what do we do? We impart that into our children. And they have to learn to do it. My wife and I, we raise our kids. We've got great kids. They're not perfect kids, but they love God. They're serving in the house of God. You know, they're, they're wanting God's purpose in their life. But ultimately, what do we have to say? Everything we poured into them, everything they've learned, they have to walk out their own want with God because we can't be the Holy Spirit in their life. You'll be a fearful parent and control your kids all the time. And they'll want to run away from home because they can't breathe. What we got to do? We believe the words in them. We believe that they know they can approach us if they have a problem. And we believe God's in them. The Bible says, train a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. Because guess what? There's oil in them. Nothing else is going to satisfy them. Because they've seen God's faithfulness in their parents' lives. In their grandparents' lives. And they know that God is faithful. And they learn how to fan the flame because they've seen their parents do it. And it passes on from generation to generation. Come on. This church is not about us. Just having a nice community? Come on, this church is about our territory. This church is about the next generation coming up. Those that are confused. David said, I almost, I saw the wicked and how they were prospering and I was depressed and I, I came to the end myself. And then he says, but I went to the house of God and I heard the word and I got clarity. 
things came back into to purpose. That's what we need to be, a city set on a hill where, there's oil, where people come and they don't just, wow, look at the children's church. And we had a phenomenal kids camp. Sarah did a great job yesterday. Give, it, give the Lord a big hand. Vacation Bible School and all our team that was there. You know, everyone said it was amazing. I saw Liam this morning. He's so happy. He was kept looking at the room. He wanted to go back in the room, you know, because he had fun yesterday. But, but when people come, it's not our structure, our building, and all this thing. Because guess what? The carpet's going to get dirt, dirty. The, the technology is going to no, no longer be the latest. But the presence of God is eternal, and it's burning from generation to generation. That's what God wants. Amen? The fruit is pressed to produce oil that can burn for generations. Let's all stand on our feet. Examine your heart today. Simple message, but where's the the fire level in your life? Let's not blame anyone else, but let's take responsibility for the fire in our life. Maybe our wick needs to be trimmed a little bit. We're doing things in the flesh and we're getting weary and well-doing because we're out there doing it in the flesh. Or maybe we're burning the wrong oil. Maybe we're burning the fossil fuel. We're burning dead things and we're doing things in the flesh and it's not a sweet-smelling savor. Maybe we're doing it and we're just, we're so focused on the blessing and the blessings aren't there right now and so the oil's drying up. Let's not be dependent on the blessing. But come on, let's allow that pure oil, that olive oil that comes through pressing, that comes through a dependency on God, that comes, as Paul said, who have I in heaven but you? David said, nothing in this world will satisfy, only you will satisfy. God is our source. God's the source of our oil. We want to see revival in our families. We want to see revival in our territory. But it's not about all our programs. It's not about competing. You know, there's some churches that have zoos in their churches. It's not about competing with that. But what is about the presence of God? I read a story and there was a pastor and he was in a, a residential area and they were wanting to grow their church and everything they do, nothing brought in the growth. People were there. It was an aging population. But one night, the church caught on fire. And the pastor came and he stood out in the church and it was burning. It was 3 o'clock in the morning all the neighbors came out in their robes and their pajamas, the women in their curlers. Hundreds of people came out from all over the neighborhood to watch this church that was burning down. The pastor looked and said, hey, this is the first time you've come to church. So many of you here, it's three in the morning. Why are you here? He said, because we wanted to watch the church burn. We saw the church was on fire and we wanted to come and see what it looked like. And God used that incident, even though it was a negative thing. I mean, you know, all things work together for good. And the pastor began to pray. The pastor began to fast. He began to challenge people to say, come on, we need to be on fire. Because guess what? When we're on fire, the people will come to see what the fire looks like. Come on, when the people will come to see what fire looks like. They'll come to see what's on fire. But guess what? When there's miracles happening and people are getting healed and we're going to be praying for sick people every week. Why? Because the more we pray, word gets out. If you're sick, come to church. And in a live church, there's a presence and a power and God will heal you. Come on, we're going to keep burning in our fire and getting the fire of God in our life. Why? So we can come out, people can look and say, wow, there were marriages that are restored. 
I heard the testimony of Dwayne and Amanda. I heard the testimony of others. And come on, their marriage is on the rock. But look what the Lord has done. If there's hope for them, there's hope for us. I saw the person that was almost bankrupt and they came to God and they started tithing and they started giving. And guess what? God canceled their debt. And, and Pastor Susan was almost a brink bankrupt. And now she's running a business that's on the other side of the world. And, and, and God's providing for the ministry. How does that work? It's called fire. It's called the reality of who God is. Come on, when the church is on fire, when our lives are on fire, people will come and they want to watch the fire. They want to encounter the fire of God. Come on, that's what it is. Paul said, my preaching was not with it mere words of human wisdom, but it was the power, it was the demonstration of God's Spirit so that your faith would not be in men, but it would be in God.